Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of this Going Long podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. There is a lot happening right now uh, between coaching rumors, Dan Lanning's absolute masterclass in gaining fan adoration, uh, playoff rankings, rooting interest, transfer portal news, and then, of course, a game against your former offensive coordinator this coming week. Uh, it's safe to say there was a lot to talk about for Oregon Duck fans and in the Oregon Ducks news circles. We are going to touch on all of that, um, several of those things coming up. A lot to get to. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Let's start with the Texas A&M stuff just to get it out of the way up top um, and just move on from the storyline altogether. Uh, We talked Sunday about Dan Lanning's name being connected with the Texas A&M job. Um, I, for one, said emphatically that this is not something that fans needed to worry about, Um, not something Oregon fans really needed to concern themselves with. Um, Lanning addressed the rumors on Monday night in his weekly press conference. I'm going to go ahead and play the audio for you guys. Um, Most of you have probably heard it. Uh, If you have not heard it, though, it's it's worth listening to uh, because I think that he was just he was very impressive in the way that he addressed all the news and just kind of came right out about everything and talked about it. So uh, here's that audio for you. I guess the reality here is one, my name and uh, our program would never be in a topic of conversation for another school if, if we didn't have something here that everybody else wanted. And the reason we have something here uh, that everybody else wants, that's because of what our players, our coaches, the support that exists here at Oregon have created. I think I've been really, really clear here since day one. Uh, everything I want exists right here. I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. Um, I've got unfinished business here. There's a lot that I want to accomplish uh, here at Oregon. My number one priority is being elite um, here at Oregon. And we have the resources, the tools, um, Anybody that can't understand why you would want to be here at this place doesn't understand exactly what exists here, right? Like what I've said before, with a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 10-year-old, to be able to raise your uh, family in a community like this, to be able to compete for uh, championships and have the ability to get the resources you need. You know, a lot of coaches hang on to these moments and they don't do anything or don't say anything, one, because they don't want egg on their face when they decide to do something else, right? Two, because they're concerned about things that I'm not concerned about, like getting a better contract, like I'm taken care of extremely well here at Oregon. I have the resources I need here at Oregon to be really, really successful. I'm not motivated by that. I'm motivated by winning. I'm motivated by being elite here. Um, and our players deserve my complete focus. Uh, our fans deserve the best uh, product on the field. So it's outside noise. It didn't matter before. It doesn't matter now. I'll continue to say it till I'm blue in the face. I want to be here at Oregon. Uh, that hasn't changed. That won't change. That was Dan Lanning on Monday night about the Texas A&M uh, coaching rumors. And it's just, like I said, it's just amazing to me how good Dan is at currying favor with the fans. I mean, over and over again, he's been put in some tough positions when it comes to, you know, outside rumors, and just outside noise. And over and over again, he said the right things when it comes to that outside noise. 
um, you know, he's he's told all fans how bought in he is with the program and that he's got no reasons at all to leave and and no interest for anything. He's not interested in the money. He's not interested in the the glamour that comes with some other programs. He knows that he's got everything he needs right here in Eugene to succeed. And he, he sees a path to that success. And, you know, I think that most fans probably do as well. And, of course, you know, we've heard other coaches in Oregon say some of these things before too, but they don't really quite say it in the way that Dan does. There's some, there's some videos on social media circling right now that are just bringing back Willie Taggart's answers when was, when he was asked about those same questions about him leaving for Florida state, um, same quotes from Mario Cristobal, um, his answers about possibly going to Miami, um, you know, I, I encourage you to go find those on social media because it's just seeing the difference in um, just the the genuineness from those guys, the straightforwardness from those guys. Lanning didn't seem like he was trying to hide anything. You know, the other guys, I think Taggart, when he was asked if he was going to be the coach next year at Oregon, he said, well, why why wouldn't I be? It sounds like you're trying to run me out of town. That's not an answer. That's, that's not a, a yes or no. That's a no, um, really, in a, a veiled um, it's a no in so many more words. And Crystal Baldwin was asked about um, if he was going to Miami after the, the Pac-12 championship game in 2021. Yes, 2021. He basically said, you know, that's, let's not start rumors. Um, let's not turn turn things that aren't into something. Um, let's not all start these narratives and got really defensive about it. So um, both of those, you could see the writing on the wall that, okay, they're they're probably leaving. Dan, I mean, he he flat out said, hey, I don't want to be anywhere but here. I'm not planning to leave here. Um, as you heard, he just he gave a really straightforward answer. We talked to players about it yesterday on Tuesday. Um, I talked to Jackson Powers Johnson about it and just kind of asked for his opinion on how Lanning has kind of handled the matter. And he said what all fans are thinking. He said it's just really refreshing, the fact that he came out and was so straightforward about it and was just, you know, so honest about his love for the program and his happiness here. Um, JPJ said that, you know, players do have some PTSD. They saw those um, reports, I guess you would say it's not, they weren't even reports on Sunday, but just the word that Lanning could be a potential candidate for the Texas A&M job. And JPJ said, yeah, we, we had some PTSD, you know, you do think for a second that, Oh, wow, that maybe that is something that's going to happen. But once Lanning said that on Monday night, I'm sure he assured his team on Sunday as well that that's, that's not something they need to worry about. It's it's good for everyone. I think that everyone feels a lot better about where they are right now. And now with that out of the way, they can get back to football. They can start thinking about football, think about uh, Arizona State, Oregon State, potential Pac-12 championship game. And I think that that's what fans need to do now. This story's behind us. Let's wrap it up. Let's Let's put it past us. Let's get back to football. So with that being said, Let's get to football. Starting off, I want to talk a little bit about rooting interests. Um, at this point in the season, you know, there are a lot of scenarios that can play out in the world of college football. When you look at the top 10, um, there's five undefeated teams. I think there's four one-loss teams uh, in the top 10. Um, you know, there's there's just several things that can happen with a lot of rivalry games, ranked games, uh, conference championship games coming up, that there's a lot of things that are going to happen that determine how the, the college football playoff shakes out and who those final four teams are. I've seen a lot of confusion when it comes to, you know, what outcomes would be good or would be bad for the Ducks. So I just want to set some things straight. 
if you're interested, I've got a full article out on Duxwire that has a complete breakdown of every team that you need to be rooting for, some teams that you need to be rooting against, uh, and just some of the you know, the real ins and outs of, of what's going to happen over the next few weeks. But I just want to go over some of the most notable things for you here. I also want to preface this first with the fact that all of this, everything I'm going to be talking about for the next several minutes with the rooting interests, that's all with the assumption that Oregon wins out and wins the Pac-12 championship game. None of this matters at all if they lose one of their next three games because then a college football playoff spot is not possible. So I'm not going to come back with every you know instance, every scenario and say, uh, this is also assuming that Oregon wins the Pac-12 title game because that's just that's I'm just saying that right now. All of this is assuming that happens. If that doesn't happen, none of this really matters. When it comes to rooting interest, you know one of the main things that you want to do is build your own resume and hurt the other resume for teams that you are you know in competition with. So basically, with that being said, you want teams that you've beat to look as good as possible, and you want the dangerous teams that you're competing against to look as bad as possible. That means for Oregon, you are rooting for Utah. You're rooting for Texas Tech. You're rooting for USC. You're rooting for Cal. You're rooting for Stanford. You want all of those teams to to win the rest of the games on their schedule if possible and look as good as they can um, you know, going into the end of the season. For Utah, that means they would you know, stay a ranked team, probably in the top 15. Texas Tech, you're trying to get to bowl eligibility. USC, eh, Probably not going to be a ranked team. I th- what do they have? Four losses now? Five losses? I, I completely forget. Cal, Stanford, that goes without being said. They're not going to be ranked or bowl eligible. But, you know, it's them winning would be better than them losing. So, you know, it, it's not a big deal for them. A quick note on Texas Tech. They are one of the uh, bigger teams that Oregon needs to be rooting for because Right now, they have five wins on their schedule. And of course, you need six to become bowl eligible. So if they can become bowl eligible as the uh, the biggest non-conference opponent that Oregon had, that means a little bit. I mean, you when you're looking at resumes at the end of the year, you look at non-conference um, just to see who challenged themselves before the, the conference slate and who actually went out and scheduled hard games. At the time, Texas Tech looked like a hard game. When this game was scheduled several years ago, it looked like a really good non-conference game. They didn't end up being as good as they could have been this year. One, because Tyler Shuck got hurt, and he's been out for several weeks now and out for the the rest of the season. So that hurts Oregon a little bit. But if they can win one of their last two games, they can get into a bowl game, and that, that looks a little bit better for the Ducks. It's also important that they have Texas, the Texas Longhorns, number seven Texas Longhorns, I should say, um, as their last game this season. So uh, we'll talk more about Texas later, but if Texas Tech could end up you know, beating Texas, that would be huge for the Ducks, not only because it you know, gets them bowl eligible for sure, but it would take out one of the Ducks' bigger contenders, um, one of their biggest, um, some of their biggest competition, I should say, going down the stretch. So with all that being said, let's go through. There's one team that Oregon absolutely needs to root for going forward and three major teams that they need to root against. I'm going to start with the three teams to root against because those are easier conversations to have, and you'll see why when we get to the one team you need to root for. Um, Root against the number one team is Alabama, the Crimson Tide. At the moment, they are the number one chaos agent in the nation right now. Um, If they win out the rest of their games, um, they're currently ranked number eight, I believe. If they win out the rest of their games, there is a scenario where 
they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. That would give us a 12 and one Alabama as the SEC champs. They get into the playoff, a 12 and one Georgia who just had their first loss, who would have just had their first loss in what, two years, 25, 26, 27 games, something like that. They're probably still getting into the playoff. You're probably getting two sec teams into the, into the college football playoff. If that happens, then you've got a 13 and 0 big 10 champion, which is probably Michigan or Ohio state. And then you also probably have a 13 and 0 Florida state who would be the ACC champion. That's your four teams right there. If, if that happens, those are your four playoff teams. And there's not really much argument against that. So, um, with that being said, it's it's kind of obvious why Oregon fans need Alabama to lose. Um, you know, if they lose to Auburn next week, great. They're they're not. They played Chattanooga this week, so spoiler alert: they're not going to lose to Chattanooga. Um, if they beat Auburn at the end of the regular season, that sets up for a, a hugely monumental SEC championship game against Georgia. Um, if Georgia wins, then SEC gets one team into the playoff. If Alabama wins, it's it's pretty likely that SEC gets two, and then you leave out probably two conferences from the playoff. You probably leave the Big Ten, the Big Twelve out, excuse me, and the Pac twelve. So um, I know that there are a lot of fans across the nation who are rooting against Alabama pretty hard right now. The next team that Oregon really needs to root against at the moment is Florida State. Um, as it stands right now, Florida State is undefeated, and they pretty much have a playoff spot locked up if they win out because they are undefeated and likely the ACC champions. I mean, they don't have a very strong resume. They have wins over LSU and Duke. That's pretty much it. LSU was their first game of the season. Um, I think the LSU was ranked number five at that point. So that win looked a lot better than, than it does now. And Duke was number 16 when they played them. So um, they're a team that's gotten, they've won the games they've needed to absolutely, but they're also benefiting from a, you know, playing at a bad conference and not having too tough of a schedule. So, um, going forward, they will play number nine Louisville in the ACC title game. Um, if they lose that game, it definitely opens up a spot because there's not much of an argument that a one loss Florida state team would have a better resume than a, a one-loss Oregon team who's a Pac-12 champion. It's just the the teams they've played, the teams they've beaten, it's just it's not even close. So should Florida State lose, I think they're out of the playoffs. So Duck fans definitely rooting against Florida State, which um, I don't think that's very hard to do. Duck fans have a lot of practice when it comes to rooting against Florida State for several reasons over the past several years. The last major team that Oregon needs to be rooting against is Texas. I talked about them a little bit earlier when talking about Texas Tech. This one's not as big as the other two because, you know, if they made, if Texas made it through the season as Big 12 champions with one loss um, and their res- and their resume is compared to Oregon's, I think Oregon's resume still stacks up pretty favor- favorably. Um, you know, at the moment, Texas has a better win because they beat Alabama earlier in the year. Uh, their loss to Oklahoma doesn't look great, but Oklahoma is still a ranked team. They're still a solid team. So you could also say that you're rooting against Oklahoma because you want Texas resume to look as poor as possible. But assuming that Oregon gets through the Pac-12 championship game with a win, they would have uh, one of the best wins in the nation, which would likely come against either a top three or a top four Washington team that was previously undefeated. We're going to get more to that a little bit later, but um, so when you stack up the Texas resume and the Oregon resume, you could argue that Oregon's is fine. So um, if Texas gets through 
the regular season through the Big 12 championship game without losing. Not the end of the world. I don't think that completely kills Oregon's chances. But like with all of these teams that I mentioned today, if they lose, it would, you know, it would help the Ducks. It's it's something that would benefit them in the end. Obviously, you are also rooting against Georgia, um, and an extra loss for either Michigan or Ohio State would help things out as well. Um, all of those things seem pretty unlikely, though. Um, Georgia just looks like the best team in the country right now. Michigan or Ohio State, they play each other next weekend, so one of them's going to lose. I know Michigan's got a semi-sneaky game against Maryland this week. Maryland was a pretty good team at the start of the, the season, but that's also like a 21-point spread. It's it's not likely that the Wolverines are going to lose to the Terps. Um, but if they did, it would be, you know, that would definitely help because that just takes one of the uh, potential playoff contenders out of the mix. All right, let's talk about the team that Oregon fans unfortunately need to be rooting for. Let's talk about Washington and Oregon State. Uh, that's a game that's being played this weekend. Number five, Washington. Number 10, Oregon State. Number 11 in the college football playoff rankings. So number five, Washington. Number 11, Oregon State. Who should Oregon fans want to win? There are arguments for both, um, arguments against both. There's some win-win scenarios, some lose-lose scenarios. Ultimately, I'm of the opinion that it would be better for Oregon if Washington won this game. Uh, in a world where Washington is undefeated, um, they would be the only Pac-12 team in the conference's history since expanded to 12 teams to get through the conference slate undefeated, which would be pretty impressive. Um, a world where that happens, I think, is better for Oregon so they can so the Ducks can face an undefeated Washington team in Vegas in the Pac-12 championship game and have a chance to avenge that one loss of the season. Um, let's, let's look at both arguments though, starting with what happens if Oregon state wins. Um, like I said, at the moment, Oregon state is number 11 in the college football playoff. If they were to beat Washington this week, which they are a a two point favorite right now at home, that undoubtedly gets them into the top 10. They probably get up to number, number eight, number nine, somewhere. I mean, you got to look at what other teams in the nation have done as well, but that definitely gets them into the top 10. So that would give Oregon a top 10 matchup next week in the civil war, which would be uh, absolutely incredible. I mean, it's the last civil war we're getting for who knows how long, and it's already going to be, you know, drama ridden. There's going to be a lot of riding on this game just because of last year, just because of all the emotions with conference realignment and everything. And if you put a top 10 matchup with the winner, likely going to the the Pac-12 championship game, that's just incredible stakes. So um, on top of that, Oregon, if they beat Oregon State in the top 10 matchup next week, Washington probably wouldn't drop out of the top 10 with that one loss. They would still be considered a top 10 team. So it's possible that that Oregon would get a pair of top 10 games in the next three weeks. And if you win both of those, you look pretty good. Um, you know, you look pretty good to a committee as a Pac-12 champion with one loss. Uh, your resume is pretty strong with two top 10 wins at the end of the season. However, if Washington wins out, they're like I said earlier. They're likely ranked inside the top four, maybe inside the top three. You have to consider that Ohio State and Michigan both ranked number two and number three right now. One of them's going to have to lose because they play each other in the final week of the season. So one of them is going to drop out of the top four, which you know likely would let Washington move up. If Washington beats Oregon State, they move up from five, maybe to four. They jump Wash or Florida State at some point. 
Um, there's a real chance that Washington is number three in the nation if they beat Oregon State and they beat Washington State next week. That means that if Oregon can avenge their only loss of the season and beat a top four, a top three opponent in the Pac-12 championship, beat arguably the best Pac-12 team that we've ever seen, um, you know, the only team, like I said, to go undefeated through the, the conference schedule should they beat Oregon State and Washington State, that goes a long way. Um, that that really looks good to a committee if Oregon can avenge their only loss of the season. Um, because of that, I think that Oregon fans, you know, you want Washington as strong as possible when you face them. If you if UW loses to ORSU, it's not a deal breaker in my opinion, but I think it does look better if they're undefeated in the Pac-12 title game. I know it's tough to root for either. I know that Oregon fans, um, you know, it's it's a lose-lose scenario because you don't want either of these teams to win. You definitely... I think it's uh, just the thought of a top 10 matchup in the Civil War is a little bit scary. I know whether Oregon State loses or wins this week, that doesn't make them better or worse next week when Oregon plays them. But um, that's just, there's so much riding on a game that already has so much riding on it. So that's a little bit daunting. But at the moment, I think that if you want to root for what's best for Oregon, then you're pulling for Washington this week. I want to quickly touch on the, the transfer portal. I know it's way too early to start monitoring and and mentioning guys on Oregon's roster who are likely to jump in the portal. Um, There are a few names I know of on the roster who are likely going to enter the portal once it opens. I believe that's on December 4th um, after the conference championships happen across the nation. So um, that's something that we will cover more coming up as it gets closer. But for now, I think the more pertinent thing to talk about is there are a few players um, on the Texas A&M roster that I think Oregon fans should be made aware of because um, I think the Ducks will be looking to take advantage of this coaching change at Texas A&M and potentially, you know, adding some players out of the portal. Um, If you didn't know, if you weren't aware, NCAA rules allow for players to enter the portal early if there's a coaching change. So we've already seen a few players from the Texas A&M roster become available and it would not be a surprise at all to see more. Um, I've got a full piece again on this at Duxwire as well that breaks down um, several players and recruits on Texas A&M's roster that Oregon could be looking at. I just wanted to mention five of them right here for you. Uh, the first one is the most obvious. It's five-star defensive lineman DJ Hicks. Uh, he was part of the 2023 class, one of the best linemen in the nation. He really wanted to go to Oregon. He took a surprise visit to Oregon um, you know, late in December last year before signing day. Um, there was a ton of buzz that, you know, if it was if it was his choice alone, it would have been Oregon. But he was facing a little bit of outside pressure from, uh, you know, family and from people around him to go to Texas A&M instead. So that's where he ended up signing. But if he enters the, the transfer portal, and I'm going to make that clarification for all these players, it's if they enter the transfer portal. None of these guys have entered just yet. Um, so just just make that make that very clear. Um, This is not a certainty, but if he becomes available, I would be shocked if he ended up somewhere other than Oregon because DJ Hicks is someone who, who really likes Dan Lanning, really likes Tosh LePoy, really loves Oregon, has been here several times on visits. Um, It would not surprise me at all if he became available and he came to Eugene for next year. The same goes for former five-star defensive lineman LT Overton. He was also part of the 2022 class. Uh, He had Oregon listed as a finalist uh, before his commitment to Texas A&M. 
the Ducks were actually once considered to be a favorite for him over AM after he took a couple of visits to Eugene before his commitment. Um, instead, he chose the Aggies. Again, if he enters the portal and becomes available, I think he's someone to watch out for for the Ducks because he's got that relationship with Dan Lanning. Um, he's been to Eugene. He likes Oregon, likes Eugene. It could be someone to watch out for. The same can be said for former five-star defensive lineman Shamar Stewart and former five-star defensive lineman Walter Nolan. Um, both of these guys were recruited heavily by Georgia when Lanning was there. Uh, they had him. They had Georgia uh, among their top three schools before committing. Um, so you know they don't have as much of a connection with Oregon per se, but they do have a prior relationship with Dan Lanning. So uh, we've seen over the years, over the past couple of years, that those relationships really matter, and Lanning is really good at building those and maintaining those to help you know particularly for players in the transfer portal when they do become available. So um, you have to think that once again, if these players become available, he would reach out and try and just show them, hey look what we've got going at Oregon. Maybe you can come help us. You can look at what we're building and um, just try and be what we're part of uh, going into the future. There's one uh, 2024 recruit uh, that is currently committed to Texas A&M that I could see Oregon going after once again, um, now that there's a coaching change. That's interior offensive lineman Isindre Afua. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, If I'm not, I apologize. He's a four-star interior offensive lineman from Seattle. Um, By the 247 Sports Composite, he's listed as the number one overall player in Washington. He was high on the Ducks before Adrian Clem left uh, earlier this year. Um, Once Clem left for that job with the New England Patriots, he actually chose Texas A&M. You know, after that move was made, he said that the move, you know, he said that passing on the Ducks was not directly because Clem left. Um, he said that he he was looking forward to, you know, talking to Coach Alik Terry and kind of building a relationship there and kind of building a relationship there. But, you know, he ended up going to Texas A&M in the end. I could absolutely see Oregon, you know, reaching out to him again, saying, hey, you know, we know you liked us before. Look at what we're doing. Look at what Elite Terry is doing with this offensive line. Uh, maybe maybe stay closer to home and go to, go to Oregon instead of going all the way down to Texas A&M where you have an unclear coaching future. Um, that's just another one that I would, I would kind of keep tabs on going forward. All right, let's take a quick look at Arizona State before we get out of here. Um, This is an interesting game. There's a lot of former relationships, a lot of kind of weird juju just surrounding trips late in November to the desert. I know that a lot of Oregon fans are always very wary, especially after that 2019 game when, you know, the Mario Cristobal team went down there with a lot riding on the game and they lost to Arizona State. So, um, with all that being said, this is this is absolutely a game where the Ducks need to show up. Um, they've got a big talent advantage. There's no reason they shouldn't win this game comfortably. But ASU is a dangerous team with a, a good defense and a very good head coach too. They've um, they've been dealing with a ton of injuries this year, and they've shown a way to play through it all and still be a really feisty team, give some good teams, um, you know, some, some tough contests and actually win a few games as well. They beat UCLA last week. They had a close game against uh, Washington earlier this year. They're a, a solid team that they're not a, you know, this is not Stanford who you're just going to bowl over, you know, in your sleep. This is a team where you really need to show up and, and pay attention to, um, you know, their defense has allowed over 30 points just twice this year. 
They've got a really solid defensive line. They have the number 45 total defense in the nation. This is not a pushover team. They're going to fight hard. They're going to show up and try and, you know, defend their home turf. And I'm sure that Kenny Dillingham is going to have them ready. If the Ducks show up, though, I have no concerns about a victory. But this is not a game where you can just expect to win big because you're the more talented team. Luckily, we have not seen a, you know, a rash of clunkers in the landing era. Uh, his four losses at Oregon have all come against very good teams. It's not like they've ever showed up unprepared and lost to bad teams like that 2019 team against Arizona State or the 2021 team against Stanford. This is not a team that you know takes opponents lightly, I think, and looks past them. Um, so I have all the confidence in the world that Oregon's going to be ready for this game. Um, I, their landing is giving us no reason to doubt that at this point. So I, I feel confident they'll be able to do it, but just for all the fans out there, just know that this is, this is not one that you can just assume is a win. Um, they're going to actually have to go and perform and, and play well doing so at the moment. The line is set at Oregon minus 23 and a half. The over under is 54 and a half. Uh, looking forward, I believe Oregon's going to win 42 to 16. Um, so that would be, hmm, yes, that would be covering the spread just by a little bit and going over. Um, again, I think it's a, a comfortable win if they mind their P's and Q's, play a complete game, stay out of their own way when it comes to penalties, um, and just take care of business. You gotta, you've got everything you want out in front of you. A Pac-12 championship game potentially could be clinched this weekend if Oregon wins and Washington wins, and I believe... Utah needs to win as well. Utah needs to beat Arizona for that to happen. Um, if that all happens, Oregon is in the Pac-12 championship game, likely against Washington. If they win that, they are likely in the college football playoffs. So, this is not a game. Um, this is not a game that you can just assume is a win and start looking down the road. Um, this is a game where you really, really need to show up and take care of business. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, the plan is to be back on Saturday night, probably. We've got a um, an earlier kick. The game's at 1 o'clock down in Arizona, um, and I'm, I'm actually not traveling to this game. I'm staying home for this one, so I should be able to get a pod recorded on Saturday night and probably release it. Yeah, it'll be released Saturday night. I was going to say maybe push it to Sunday morning, but I'll just give it to you guys on Saturday night. That makes sense. Um, and then next week I have scheduled an interview with Jerry Allen. We are going to look forward to the last civil war for quite a while. Uh, well, I, I say quite a while. We don't know how long it'll be till the civil war is played again after this week, but, um, I definitely want to go down memory road a little bit with him and just kind of talk about some of his favorite civil wars and some of his favorite memories when playing Oregon state. It's going to be a monumental game, whether Oregon state wins or loses this week, that's going to be a huge game. Um, I think it's just going to be really, really fun, really intense. It's going to be so much riding on it for the ducks. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Jerry and kind of previewing that game. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you could find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We will talk to you guys this weekend. Until then, take it easy.